How are you today? Excellent, excellent. Just a couple things I'd like to share to encourage you. I told you that I was serving on the uh, committee or the board and the team, I should just say the team, for an evangelistic outreach that's done through Dr. Michael Youssef with Leading the Way Ministries, Truth Alive, and other churches that's going to be in Springfield. Well, they set a date of October 21st of this year. Uh, it's going to be an all-day event at the Mass Mutual Center in Springfield. It's a free event. Dr. Youssef will be preaching that evening. But if you know some friends, neighbors, anyone unsaved, try to get them, encourage them to go, and hopefully you can bring them. Uh, and I told you, the, the revival, the harvest has begun. Did you know uh, in Southern California, there's an evangelist by the name of Mario Marilla. I don't know if any of you have heard of him. But he started doing tent meetings, crusades, about two years ago. And literally thousands have come to Christ now. He's been in some of the difficult areas where the addicts and the prostitutes uh, basically lived. And he shared in one of his services that the groaning was so strong, he felt, of the Holy Spirit that he actually did an altar call, two altar calls, before he preached a message. And literally, drug addicts were coming up, laying their drugs on the altar, giving their life to Christ. So we need to be excited. That's the season we're in. Today's first scripture I want to share is Psalms 139.16. It says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. See, God has a destiny for you and I, but he gives us free will to decide whether we want to pursue the destiny that he has called on our life. And the thing is, if you'll pursue what he's called, you'll have the most joy and peace. And I think one of the clues to that is, what are you passionate about? What gives you the most joy? That's going to definitely help you. And then you need the Holy Spirit to fulfill that purpose that God's called. John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You see, the enemy, Satan, he wants to keep us weak. He wants to keep us in fear. That's probably his number one weapon that he uses in the church to keep us silent, keep us fear. But God gave us the Holy Spirit, who's part of the Godhead, the Trinity, to help us be overcomers. And the Holy Spirit has existed from the very beginning. We see that in Genesis 1-1, where it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering, hovering over the waters. We also know from John chapter 1, I didn't put this verse in, but in John chapter 1, we know that Jesus was there from the beginning, for he was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. So they've been there from the beginning, and they're there to help us. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today. I just pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would touch us and fill us. Give me the words you'd have me to share. Open up the hearts and minds of everyone here to receive. And may all the glory and praise go to you and you alone, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So today's message is the Holy Spirit and his gifts. I know last week I said I was going to preach about uh, authority that we have. But before I could do that, the Lord, the Holy Spirit put on me that first need to talk more about the Holy Spirit and realize what we have with him. 
and then we can do that. So next week is the plan to teach you and, and show you more about your authority. And there's a lot of scripture today because it's not what I say, it's what the Word says, right? And I'm going to give you some true examples as we go through this. So I hope it'll be a blessing to you, and most of all, I hope it'll help you to stretch yourself and press into the things of God. So we're going to look at what Jesus had to say about the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, starting in verse 12. Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Don't you find that's amazing? Jesus is telling us, someone who healed the sick, raised the dead, set the captive free, made the deaf to hear, the blind to see, and he's telling us that we're going to do those things in greater. Do you believe that today? Amen. That's you, Amen. all of you. Faith is though one of the keys that's needed to fulfill that. Verse 13 says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands. That's a very conditional statement. It's an important one. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Now, you've got to remember, when Jesus was talking, the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost, had not happened yet. So that's why he said that it will be in you. And, of course, after Pentecost... We have the Holy Spirit. So when you accept Christ as your Savior, the Scriptures tell us that the Holy Spirit then resides and our body becomes a temple for the Holy Spirit. Again, Jesus said we're going to do greater works than he did. But we can't and we shouldn't try to do those things in our flesh. It'll be a disaster. We need the help and the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, think about, when I think about the Bible... I love this, uh, a pastor one time shared with me, it, it's really an acronym. It's the best instructions before leaving earth. How's that? John chapter 16, verse 5, Jesus said, But now I'm going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you're grieved because of what I told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. The word advocate there in the Greek is paraklesos, which means helper. And if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. And we know that was Satan. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Not some truth, but all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. Think about that. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine, and that is why I said... The Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. 
So just like when Jesus walked this earth, he only did what the Father told him and what the Father showed him. The Holy Spirit will only do what Jesus shows him and tells him to do for us. I didn't put it in here, but in Acts chapter 1 and 2, you know, Jesus instructed his disciples to wait there in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And he said, when it does, you will receive power. So that's another thing that we get from the Holy Spirit is power. And did you know, when the Holy Spirit fell, we think a lot of times of the 11 disciples that were there getting the, uh, the tongues of fire, it looked like, over their head. But did you know there's actually, if you read the scriptures, you'll see that there was 120 followers in that room. They all received the Holy Spirit. And it said they began speaking in other languages. Now we're going to go through Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to go through the entire chapter. We'll kind of break it up a little bit. But it's about the gifts, the gifts that are for you and I. It says, now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. So that's why we get the gifts, right? It's to help one another. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give a word of wisdom. To another, the same Spirit gives a word of knowledge. You know, a word of wisdom is a physical and spiritual benefit for the body of Christ. It can be used to help solve difficult problems, defending the faith, interpreting and imparting God's truth. It's the ability to make sound judgments. Then you have the word of knowledge. It's a revelation about something or someone that no one would have the natural ability to know. I want to share a story with you. In late of 2021, my wife Dawn was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so several of our fellow believers, church family, came together for a special healing service. They started the evening with worshiping and seeking the presence of God. Worship is so important. The atmosphere was filled with his presence. All were encouraged to lay hands on Dawn and pray for her. This lasted about 30 minutes. It was an intimate time. And there was a lady that came up who has now become a very dear friend of ours, and she pulled Dawn aside to share something that the Lord had laid on her heart. She said, and my wife gave me some of this because I want to make sure I get it right. I'm not sure this makes sense, but I have to be obedient and share with you what the Lord revealed to me when I laid my hands on you. See, sometimes words of knowledge can come in pictures. The Lord will put pictures in your head. Sometimes you'll get a word. But, he, but she said, he showed me a very petite woman with gray hair. She was lying in what looked like a hospital bed, and she had an oxygen-type mask with all these tubes and wires hooked up to her. And she goes, I don't know if that means anything to you. I know it sounds strange. But Dawn's reaction was a little bit of shock. I, uh, the lady went on to tell her that 
I want you to know that the Lord wants me to tell you that this woman, her time was up. She had fulfilled and lived a full life. What this lady described was the, to detail was what Dawn experienced when her mother passed away. We were there in Yale Hospital and all those things, she described her to a T. But see, it was important because this word was very encouraging and comforting to, to my wife because she had struggled with circumstances feeling like there was something suspicious about the circumstances surrounding her death. She was at a rehab facility. And she had tremendous guilt and grief. I told you before, grief is such a difficult, overwhelming emotion. But that word from the Lord filled her with peace, and she found herself healed of a deep emotional wound. She didn't get healed of the breast cancer, but she did get healing. We don't know why it goes the way it does, but we give them praise for it. I could share many other words, but I thought that was a good one. Verse 9 says, the same spirit gives great faith to another. Now, this type of faith is not the faith of salvation. This is the type of faith where it says, if you have faith of a mustard seed, you can look at that tree and say, be cast into the ocean. I don't know, you may know this story because Pastor Bill uh, and Pastor Lubin and Pastor Mark were going to a pastor's conference that was scheduled in Haiti. And there was a Category 5 hurricane that was headed straight dead on direct path. And so Pastor Lubin shared with me that he was going to counsel this until a pastor that called him from Haiti said, uh, his name was Louis Dor, said, who has great faith, by the way, and this is what it's about. He says, no, no. He goes, my faith says this is not going to happen, and the Lord has confirmed. Hold the conference. This hurricane is not going to hit. Well, right when the hurricane got to Haiti, it also made a curve around. This made headlines in USA Today. So that was a word of faith. And then it says, and to someone else, the Spirit gives the gifts of healing. Back in 2015, my wife and I went to a conference in Pennsylvania. There was a pastor, his name is Bill Johnson. He's the senior pastor from Bethel Church in Redding, California. When you see contemporary Christian music, it says Bethel music, it's from that organization. Anyway, we went to this conference, and I started, we started, it was unique. There's about 1,000 people in the conference at each session. And they were from all over the country and some around the world. And it was a mix of all kinds of denominations. But people were exclaiming that they were getting healed each night. So one particular night, Bill Johnson gets up and says, you know, it's not me that does the healing, and we know it's not. It's God that does the healing. But he said, but he uses anybody. It doesn't have to be me, and I'm going to show you that. And he started calling out all these sicknesses and diseases, asking people to stand up if any of these apply. After a while, he stopped and he said, okay, you who are seated, I want you to get up, go to the person closest to you standing and pray for them. Directly in front of me, a woman, her name was Helen, and she was from Troy, New York. And uh, she had a tumor right here. I asked her if I could put my hands on her arm. She said, okay. I started praying. I felt my hands get warm. She started crying. I was like startled. You know, what's wrong? She said, it's gone. And she showed, showed me and my wife. It had disappeared while we prayed. That's the God we serve. There's another gentleman. His name's Todd White. I don't know if you ever heard of him. He's a, he was a drug addict, a drug dealer. 
got radically saved, went through Teen Challenge. And when he heard the scripture about healing, he felt like, well, according to God's word, I, I can do these things. And he would pray for people for healing. It got to the point to where his family didn't want to go with him because if he go to Walmart, if he saw someone with a crutch, someone with a wheelchair, he made a beeline to him and said, can I pray for you? But let me tell you about his faith. In his testimony, he said he prayed for literally 500 people before someone got healed. 500 people. Now, today, about 90% of the people he prays for gets healed. Again, that's the God we serve. That's the Holy Spirit. It says he gives to one person the power to perform miracles. I think we know this story with John and May, 2013. It was my first time on the trip in the DR. I was on the evangelistic team with Pastor Lubin. We go into this bate. It was on a Wednesday. I'll never forget. He gives the message, and it was like, it was like catching fish in a barrel. Everybody wanted to get saved. We had 68 come to Christ. And then Pastor Lubin goes, okay, the Holy Spirit wants to heal. Anyone want to be healed, raise your hand. Multiple hands went up. But they carried a blind man up. The blind man was healed instantly. No one touched him, just his faith. That was a miracle. It says another is the ability to prophesy. Well, in 2021, myself and Pastor Lubin and four other men, we went to Haiti. And uh, before we went, my wife and I went down to North Georgia a month before. Uh, a couple of ladies I'm friends with that move with a lot of these gifts that I'm sharing with you today. And... Um, Actually, one of the ladies now has become my wife's best friend. And I told her they would be once they ever met. That's a side story. But anyway, as they prayed over me, they looked and said, you're going to Haiti. And when you get there, the Lord is showing us that they're going to cry out, I want Jesus. I want Jesus. So one of the things that we wanted to do is go to the prison. Now, the prison in Lakai, Haiti, is one of the worst conditions you could ever see. I'm not exaggerating when I tell you a 10 by 12 cell had 60 prisoners in it. They were like stacked wood. Well, the commandant looked and said, we've never allowed anyone to share the gospel. It's not happening. But then Pastor Lubin and another pastor, his name's Pastor Ariel, he has a church in Bridgeport who happens to be Haitian as well, asked the commandant if they could pray for him, and he allowed them. After praying for them, he said, okay, you can go in in the next hour and you can give them the gospel. We went into those, and we started giving the gospel. And those prisoners started crying out, I want Jesus, I want Jesus. 300 souls gave their life to Christ that day. Word says to someone else, the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. The spirit of discernment, is a gift of discernment is very important. It says still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, which we call speaking in tongues. And to another, the ability to interpret tongues what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. That's important. The Holy Spirit decides what gifts. We don't decide these things. The Holy Spirit does. You know, and I should back up a little about tongues because there was a time I was raised in church and I was taught that if someone speaks in tongues, it's of the devil. But that's not what the Word says. What, what, what's important here to understand is speaking in tongues has its proper place. Because God is not a God of confusion. If I got up here and started speaking in tongues, or some of you did, 
it would not do any good for anyone. But maybe in your own prayer time it would be good because the Bible says our, that the, the, re, the one of the purposes of those is because our spirit connects with the, with the Holy Spirit words that we don't even know or understand. So there is a place for that. But again, he decides which gift we should have. Verse 12, the human body has many parts, but many parts make up one whole body. And so it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the whole body were an eye, how would it hear? Or if your whole body was an ear, how would it smell? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. The eye can never say to the hand, I'm sorry. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put together has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. That makes for harmony among the members so that all members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. For if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you are part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles. Now, apostles, some people will call themselves apostle, but that doesn't make them an apostle. Some people call themselves prophets, but that doesn't make them a prophet, right? I can call myself anything I want, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. Apostles are people who God has called that will go and plant churches, and, they and they'll teach pastors. Pastor Lubin, he doesn't call himself an apostle, but he actually fills an apostle's position. He has started over, I believe it's up to about 80 churches now in Haiti, and he mentors all those pastors. That's, that's the office of apostle. And it says, second, there are prophets. If it's a true prophet, his word, the words are going to come true, and that takes time. A prophet will never contradict the Bible. They don't brag. They don't get greedy for gain. They edify the church, and they point people to Jesus. I actually insert a description in the middle of these scriptures. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 through 3 says, Dear friends, don't, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. That is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. See, there are a lot of prof false prophets today. 
Uh, I should have put it here, but I put it later, and I'll, we'll get to this scripture about the purpose or the reason for a prophet. But they are part of the church. They are important. Uh, a prophet's purpose is really to tell the church of what's coming. It's not, when I say the church, it's the body of Christ. The, the, if you look at the Old Testament prophets, they would warn the nations. It's the nations and tell them of what God was doing. Look at Jonah. He was a prophet. He went to Nineveh. Of course, he didn't want to go there, as we know from the story. But he was to warn them to repent. And if they did, then God would not destroy them, which is what happened. Then the rest, going back to 1 Corinthians, it says, Third are teachers. Then those who do miracles, those who have gifts of healing, those who help others, those who have gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now let me show you a way of life that is the best of all. We're not going there, but the next thing Paul talked about is love. Because if you don't have love, what's the purpose of having those gifts? Everything we do as the body of Christ needs to be done in love with kindness and gentleness. I didn't put in the, the gifts of the Spirit as far as how our behavior is, but I'm sure you know these things. Romans chapter 12 Starting in verse 1, Paul says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the, the kind that God will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. It is your reasonable service. Do you ever think of yourself as a living, holy sacrifice? But that's God's expectation for us. Our body, again, is a temple for the Holy Spirit. Verse 2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We talked a little bit about that uh, a couple weeks ago. We have to change the way we... I hope today you'll change maybe some of the way you're thinking about the Holy Spirit. Because these gifts we're talking about is for everyone here. Every one of you have a gift if you want to press in to the Lord, press into the Holy Spirit. He gives you the gifts. This is verse 3. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think of you as better than you really are. Be honest in the evaluation of yourselves, measure, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We're many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. You know, Michaela shared with me, I'm, hopefully I don't embarrass her, but she shared what she does today uh, with us, you know, with the, with the food bank. That's a gift of service. That's good. 
says, if you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. I'll say it, probably don't have to, but I look at John and Amay. They have gifts of leadership, administration. They wouldn't be doing all those trips to the DR without it. If you have a gift for showing kindness to, the, to, to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Now, we've talked about what Jesus said, what Paul said. I wanted to share also what Peter had to say. That's 1 Peter chapter 4. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though as God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. So Peter here is telling us to use our gifts from the Holy Spirit to the best of our ability. And why? Because we need to bring glory to God because that's where it belongs. And we see in Ephesians 4, verse 11, says, Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. You know, I was taught one time that all the gifts ceased when the apostles died, and they used some of these verses. They took them out of context. That's why I wanted to share many verses with you today, because all these gifts are available today, and they're needed. They're needed for us to be a, a live, vibrant, on fire for God. Amos 3, 7 says, For the Lord God does nothing without revealing his secret to his servants, the prophets. I should have put probably that in a little bit earlier, but I wanted to share that that is part of the purpose. Like I said, they bring words to the nations. But again, be very careful with people that call themselves prophets. Time is what you need to see. And again, if someone calls himself a prophet and they don't have the spirit of Christ in them, they're never going to admit that Christ was came in the flesh that is of God. Again, that's why I shared that other verse. But just to kind of go back over some of these gifts again, because as we do, I hope you'll recognize some of these gifts that you have that is from the Holy Spirit. We have words of knowledge, which I want to share one more story. Uh, about 10, 11 years ago, I was at First Baptist of Meriden, and uh, we were doing a little community outreach, inviting people to church. And one of the ladies there, named Stacy, wonderful lady, walks up to me and says, by the way, you have a friend that you need to tell that they're not ready uh, for the mission they're getting ready to go on. I have a good friend that lives in California for the last, I don't know, 34 years, has rescued children out of trafficking. Some horrific things from all over the world. Now, I'd never shared that with her. And I looked at her and said, that's a word of knowledge, you know. You have this gift? And she said, I do. I said, well, this is the first I've ever heard. She goes, I know. 
She goes, actually, I'm afraid of how people are going to respond, what they're going to think, so I usually keep it to myself. That does this body no good if we keep it to ourselves. It's not for us. She actually said, if you'll give me the opportunity, I would like to apologize to the, the congregation. This was on her. She decided that. So she got up and she apologized to the congregation one Sunday. And she said, I'm going to mention some of the words that I was given that I was supposed to bring to you. She didn't mention names. She said, the words I'm going to give you, the person it applies to, you'll know, but no one else will. And she did. And then she started stepping out in faith, using the gift the Lord had given her, the Holy Spirit, so that she could help others. Then we have words of wisdom, the gift of great faith, healing, power to perform miracles, the gift of prophecy. Again, that is not the same as the office of a prophet. I shared with you the prophetic word I received in Georgia. That person does not call themselves a prophet, but it was a prophetic word. So you can have prophetic words under the gifts of prophecy, but that doesn't make you a prophet. I hope you understand the distinguish between the two. Then there's discernment. Gift of, I love that one. I would like to have more of that, you know. The gift of tongues or speaking an unknown language, the gift of the interpretation of tongues, of that. I met one person that had that gift. The gift of teaching, the gift of hospitality, the gift of encouragement, of service or helps, the gift of leadership, the gift of administration to help steer government, the gift of generosity. I hope some of those resonate with you that you go, hmm, I might have that gift, right? Again, our gifts are there to help each other in the body of Christ. It's about his kingdom. Again, God does not give us the spiritual gifts so that we can bless ourselves. Our spiritual gifts are not for us, but to be through us to help others. Also, the Lord will never give you a spiritual gift that you're not ready to receive. The Lord gives each of us the right gift at the right time. If you study the life of Mother Teresa, you'll see that she had different gifts at different times based on her answer to the call that God had on her life. Romans 2.11 says that God shows no favoritism, that everybody has a gift and all are important. There's a gentleman by the name of John Wimmer that had amazing gifts. He started a, a, a church in California called the Vineyard Church. There's actually one down in New Haven that came across the country. But he had a saying that really resonated when I heard it one day. John Wimmer used to say, because people would try to give him accolades, and he didn't want that. And his response was, I'm a penny in God's pocket, and he, can, he chooses how he wants to spend it. So we're all pennies in God's pocket, and God chooses how he wants to spend it. Right? Amen? So how do you activate your spiritual gifts? Well, it's about relationships, praise, worship, obedience. We have to be in the right relationship with God. You know, God wants to be our friend, and you should want God to be your friend. But all friendships require time and effort. How bad or how deep you want a friendship to be with the Lord? How much time do you spend each day with the Lord, talking with him and reading his word? Because we have to be obedient to his word and try to live a holy life. The Lord uses clean vessels. 
which is why it's always we need to repent and confess of any sin in our life to the Lord each day because none of us are purpose. We all sin, whether we realize it or not. And pride, pride can get in the way of using a gift. And of course, you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You have to be a believer to have any of the spiritual gifts. So how do you know what gifts you have? Well, we've talked a little bit about it, but I want to give a few more things that I hope they'll help you. The Holy Spirit chooses your gifts. He knows which is best for you. Never, don't ever chase a gift as it's not ours to take. The gifts are ours to receive. You will have the ability and you'll experience joy when you exercise your gifts. I had a friend that thought he was a, had a particular gift and he really pressed him, but he didn't have that gift. It was just a want he had. Your gifts will also be confirmed by other believers. They'll notice your gift. What do Christians thank you for? Or what do they compliment you on? Your awareness and ability to use a spiritual gift is a process. I think most here probably have driven a car, right? When you first drove a car for the first time, were you nervous, a little unsure of yourself, right? But as time went on and the more you exercised and got out there and drove that car, the more comfortable you got with it, the better you became. It's the same with the spiritual gifts. Over time, you mature in your gift. And there's a difference between having a gift and actively using your gift. As you press in and use your gifts, you'll then become more experienced and comfortable with your gifts. And you'll also experience more opportunity to use your gifts. You know, if you're not willing to step out on faith, then God's not really saying, why do I need to give that to you? We have to sometimes show God that we're willing, even if it means we're fearful of what someone may think. And we can't let that get in the way. Remember, our, our gifts are to help each other. Sometimes people will ask you to use your gift. Other times you'll need to actively volunteer your gift to be used. And be assured, if you're wanting and willing to use your God-given spiritual gifts, God will provide you the opportunities. Sometimes you'll have adversity when trying to use your gifts. Sometimes it could be a test so that God could strengthen you. Or it could be the enemy trying to block or discourage you to use your gifts. But we have to persevere. And the Lord will see you through and make you stronger. Sometimes the Lord will give a gift, a gift to you that is temporal, meaning it's only needed for a moment or for the season that's in your life. But you won't always need that gift. Again, we don't seek the gifts. We seek the giver of the gifts. And when you and I fully surrender our life to Christ, then we'll find that our gifts by which we can serve the Lord and be about his kingdom because it's always about his kingdom. So why does God do what he does? The best answer I can give you is Isaiah 55, verse 8. I'm sure it's familiar to a lot. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Don't ever try and put God in a box the worst thing you could do. We don't always have the answer, and that's okay. We just got to keep seeking him. I just felt like I needed to close with James 5, 
verse 13. It says, If any among you are in trouble, let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them, anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make a sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Faith and prayer is key. We must believe and stand on the word of God. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you, to guide you, to fill you, to reveal himself to you. Again, there's no way I have time to go into the depth that you could go into about the Holy Spirit and the gifts. But I hope this has given you a better understanding and that his gifts that are available to each of us to help us in our journey to fulfill God's purpose for our lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again, Lord, for this time that we've come and look at your word. I lift up this entire congregation, Lord, and those that's watching online and streaming. I pray you fill them with the Holy Spirit, that you activate the gifts that you have for them. I pray you put the, the drive in their heart and soul to seek you, that they would be more about your kingdom and that they would see the gifts that you have for them. And most of all, that we would bring you glory and praise. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. That's my understanding. Uh, I don't know where Dave is. Oh, there's Dave. He's ready for the uh, for the search committee to come forward. Right. All right. Good. Okay. So, Al and I, representing leadership and the deacons, are going to invite the search committee forward. And we're going to pray over them and commission them because today is the beginning of the search for our new pastor. So those of you who are on the search committee, Michaela Blaine, Alicia Citrone, Charlotte DeAndrade, Cindy Hollentoffness, Mike McCann, Rich Moore, and Amay Powers, please come forward. Members of First Baptist Church, may I introduce you the search committee for our next pastor. Each of these individuals has prayed about the Lord's leading and has committed themselves to work together to seek the Lord's discernment, to seek the Holy Spirit's guidance, and we are going to pray that for them as they go forward, and I'm going to... Life. It's a... ...wants to come up and just... ...giving up of self. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father... 
That is the cry of our hearts this morning. Your people calling. In repentance, forgive us of our self-righteousness, of our pride, of our disobedience, a selfish life that, Lord, we come before you this morning with one desire upon our hearts, and that's living a focused life in you and through you. Lord, I pray, and this is a bold prayer, whatever it takes, Lord, in the life of your people, professing Christians, your church, whatever it takes to bring us to our knees and live a life centered on you. Put it before us, Lord. Put it before us. And in making that statement, I see one person. I see Jesus Christ. And then I see the power of the Holy Spirit working upon those that are within the sound of these words, this prayer, whether it be in this building or online. Specifically, people online. You're welcome in the house of the Lord. Don't make him a life of convenience. God is calling us to be one in Christ Jesus. So, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit moves within those that have been listening, those that have ears to hear. And the Holy Spirit moves them before your throne, on their knees, in repentance. and a desire to abide, to remain in you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Please stand, respond to how God has spoken to you this morning, whether you be here physically or you're visiting us online. There are people online that will respond to you in prayer, information giving. Whatever it may, you may need in your life this morning, you can find it in Christ Jesus. Kathy?